0: second episode of our oral health series, we hear from Fansuda Chantvisuk, the former president of the Dental Therapy Student Organization at the University of Minnesota, to learn about the emerging field of dental therapy and its role in making oral health accessible and affordable to all. We hope you enjoy our interview with Fansuda. I'm Fonsuda Chantavisuk.
1: I am a part of the Dental Therapy Student Association. Um, My position in this um, group is that I'm the president, and my primary work interest, currently as a student, I'm really interested in research. Um, I'm currently doing research with Dr. John, and he has really showed me the ins and outs, just like the beginnings of what research and dentistry looks like. And I also am looking to work in clinics after school as well. Yeah.
0: Very cool. And what is the research like that you're doing with Dr. John?
1: Oh, it's super cool. So it's, we are um, assessing oral health impact profiles. So These are just specific questions that um, Dennis would ask you. Specifically at the school, it's a protocol where we ask patients, like, within the past seven days, have you been experiencing these seven things? And it's just, like, pain, function, um, psychosocial impact, um, aesthetic concerns that patients may have. So there's a tool that is... um, measures oral health related quality of life. And it also helps us kind of gauge the um, oral health impact of that. Um, So we are basically looking at all of that, but we're trying to make a better version and I'm super excited about it. That's really
0: cool that you get to be involved in that. Yeah.
1: And just as a student, like as a dental hygiene, dental therapy student, we don't get access to research. Like no one offers it to us. Like they have a summer internship, externship for the dental students. However, we don't get offered that because our program is so short. So I myself just went and asked if anyone needed help with anything. And I'm really glad this opportunity came.
0: Um, So, how long have you been part of the Dental Therapy Student Organization, and how did you become interested in dental therapy? Um, So, I became a part of the
1: student organization immediately when I got into the program. So, when you get to school, there's a ton of um, student orgs that you can join, and dental therapy, um, DTSA, was one of those. So, now I've been in it for two years, and the first year I was just an active member, so... I didn't get to, I guess, initiate as many things as I do now. (laughs) I became interested in dental therapy, I guess. It's still so new, like not a lot of people understand what it's about. Um, But so this program is actually a dual degree. You get your bachelor's in dental hygiene and master's in dental therapy. And this three, this dual degree program actually is only three years old. So it's super new. And, um... Dental therapy itself is new in the United States. It came to Minnesota in 2009. Um, but if we want to like look back, it, dental therapy came to life when New Zealand brought it up in like the 1920s. So we are just getting on that boat. <laughs> but yeah, it's really interesting how there's so many oral health disparities in this world. But we just recently started implementing this new dental team member to the team, so I thought that was super cool and I wanted to be a part of it.
0: And how would you describe dental therapy to someone who knows nothing about it? Yeah, so i really like to just start off like,
1: you know, like a physician's assistant in the medical world, but we are mid-level providers in the dental world, so we can, um, Our patient population is um, pediatric care, geriatric care, adults, and basically all low-income, uninsured, underserved population or places with dental health professional shortages. Yeah, so our scope of practice is that we can do restorative work, so that's just like cavity fillings on both primary and permanent teeth. We can do extractions on primary teeth, and we can do your dental exams, um, for regular visits. So I like to say that, you know, how people go to dental school and they can specialize in orthodontics or they can specialize in this and that. I would say we are specialized in cavity fillings. So we do the base of what a dentist would do. So our education is in our scope of practice, the same as the dental students. So we're taking the same class, same exams, and to get our license, we're taking the same exams as dental students as well, which a lot of people don't understand, which is why there's so much pushback on dental therapy is that, like, are they? is this safe? Are they getting the same education? This is just a master's compared to a doctorate. However, we're taking the same exams, and we're taking the same class side by side with the dental students, and people don't know when we're taking these exams who is a DT and who's a dental students. So from my perspective, when I go to the doctor's office, I'm not seeing the actual MD. I'm seeing the physician's assistant or nurse practitioner. So um, I guess that's kind of my goal and what I want to see dental therapy become.
0: And does your work um, or dental therapy in general, address issues of health equity. Um, I know you touched a little bit on um, oral health disparities, um, but could you explain a little bit more about that?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I guess, like I said before, the reason dental therapy was brought up is to go at this issue of this silent epidemic that no one really understands or talks about, and our main goal is to expand access to care. I guess the big focus is um, serving low-income, uninsured, underserved populations, and that's where dental therapists basically provide the most care for is the people who are on state insurance who don't have insurance, um, and you know most dental offices only accept private insurance or cash, and it's that's a barrier right there. Like people can't afford it, and with dental therapy these dental therapists are able to see these patients and expand access to care and allow patients to come in to see us for the cavity fillings rather than wait and go to the emergency room and pay thousands of dollars for someone to give them antibiotics when they really need something else, you know. I guess, yeah, we really are here for that purpose and with time coming up, um, baby boomers are turning sixty-five. People are retiring. Like, I know I don't know if this is like the specific statistics, but like almost half of the rural boomer dentists are going to retire, and there's not going to be access to care, and no one's going to replace them. So the whole thought of dental therapy is that we would go rural. But also, if you want to think about it, a lot of the metro area is considered. Um, low-income underserved populations specifically with dental professionals so i guess like barriers to care we are able to reach out to those who don't have insurance and don't have access to care i know something that we are currently doing um there's some dental therapists who do mobile clinics so they will drive around to different schools um, and different communities to provide dental care access to care is such a big thing and dental therapy is bringing down those barriers to care in those ways.
0: Kind of related to that, what are the major recent trends that you're seeing in dental therapy or oral health disparities? Are there any things that you're looking out for after you graduate? Yeah, I know
1: like discussing with my DDS, um, doctors of dental surgery counterparts, we are able to work together and as a DT it allows us to do the restorative work so their lower level scope of practice but we are practicing to our scope of practice and in collaboration with the dentist they are able to practice to their full scope of practice. So from a business aspect we are able to expand access to care, allow us to provide more care to these patients and they are able to perform more difficult stuff like root canals, um, crowns and stuff. They can do what they want to do. And we are able to help with the main, the exams, just like the, the lower level end, I guess, but also it's one of the most important things because people aren't able to access this care. And it also, what I guess I'm seeing in the world is that it all depends on the collaborative agreement that you have with the dentist that you're working with. So I know some DTs, you can do more than others. And um, I guess something that I forgot to mention is that um, when I graduate, I will get my master's of dental therapy, but there are people out there who have their advanced dental therapy degree. Um, So the difference is that they can do more under direct or general supervision of a dds so like for example an advanced dental therapist they would be able to manage everything and they still be in communication via teledentistry with the doctor Um, that trend is super cool i think that'll spike up soon once people start accepting dental therapy more and understanding and understanding really how much it will benefit the communities that we serve just focusing on the patient in general, we are able to spend more time with these patients where the dentist isn't able to sit and communicate and talk about preventative care and educate patients on their oral health literacy. These dentists have so much to do. They have to run a business. They have to do all these difficult procedures where we have this time to, I guess that's kind of where the name dental therapist comes in, is uh, talking to the patients about oral health and educating on what's important.
0: Yeah. And could you talk a little bit more about um, teledentistry for folks who might not be familiar with that?
1: Yeah. So teledentistry is... Um, a person can be in another place and the dentist we're communicating with could be in another place. So we do it all on electronically and everything gets transferred. So um, a regular appointment would be the dental therapist sits down, does the cleaning, um, the hygiene aspect of it, and we can take intraoral pictures. So just this little camera that goes around the mouth and we would take a picture of each tooth and we would take x-ray images and we would send our quote unquote dental therapy diagnosis to the dentist and they can confirm, yes, this is a specific treatment that they need. You can go ahead. Um, No, please refer them to this and this and this. So teledentistry really allows us to bring this care to this community but also have it be overseen by the dentist um, which is super important that is needed um, as a dental therapist Um, yeah and teledentistry really allows us to go into these communities and not having the dentist come with us when they have something else to do where they are so it's very nice and the technology that we have today really allows us to do that. Smoothly.
0: From your perspective, why are oral health disparities something that we should be concerned about? Um, And then, what are the potential consequences of ignoring this this issue?
1: Yeah. So, I guess in the medical world, everything is the whole body is so complicated, and usually, the oral aspect of it kind of gets pushed back and not really cared for. But what I've seen in clinical practice well, throughout school and just learning is that oral and systemic conditions really do coincide and oral effects have effects on stuff like heart conditions, diabetes, smoking, HPV, HIV, AIDS, and more. And people don't really understand how that affects each other. And um, it's super important. A lot of people don't think about the effects that oral diseases have on the systemic conditions and something that I'm also very concerned about is the preventative aspect of it. Cavities are preventable and people don't know that and it's like I'm gonna have a cavity whenever it'll come it'll come but this is a preventative disease. It is a disease because it spreads through your mouth and It can spread all over to the rest of your body with like infections of the nerve. Um, And it's a preventable disease that people don't understand how we can really prevent this by just going to see the dentist every six months, um, bringing your child in frequently to get fluoride. Um, I hear a lot of people say about their kids, like, Mike, why is it important that I take care of my kids' teeth? Because they're just gonna lose them. However, if they lose them to infection, it could affect the permanent tooth that's under the primary tooth. It could affect the spacing around their mouth. Um, It could affect how their mouths develop in the future as as they get into their adult life. But most importantly, it affects their attitudes towards preventative care attitudes towards brushing attitudes towards um caring for their mouth um i think this is super important and consequences such as well who don't take care of their teeth lose their teeth and gum disease becomes a issue and it's just a chronic disease that is so preventative, and it's a lot cheaper for preventative procedures rather than getting surgical procedures and getting dentures, which is another issue that you have to be worried about. Um, So there's a lot of
0: consequences
1: with not taking care of your teeth.
0: And for for folks who are um, interested in getting more involved in the preventative work, um, health equity work around oral health, Um, what would you recommend?
1: Um, Yeah, so actually yesterday uh, we got to the dental hygiene program in collaboration with the Minnesota Dental Hygiene Association set up a day a dental day at the state capitol so we got to talk to our representatives um about some laws that we want to get changed and some bills that we want to implement it, it was so cool it was a really cool opportunity to be able to go up to them and say this is the issue that i want to address." Like. Um, I guess for the public, you it's really nice to see people supporting us, supporting dental hygienists, supporting what we do. Um, I guess spreading the word is really important. Specifically in dental therapy, not a lot of people know what dental therapy is. I guess becoming involved in supporting oral health disparities is supporting bills such as bringing Medicaid Um coverage for Medicaid adults back that was taken away in 2009. So basically everything was cut in half. And that access to care really hindered our profession. Um, One of, I guess one of the important things that we're working on is in the bill, it's um, about periodontal maintenance. So patients who have gum disease, undergo a deep cleaning called non-surgical periodontal scaling and planing, And after that procedure, they are forever on their life on a cleaning called periodontal maintenance. So it's not like a regular cleaning. It's a maintenance of this disease because we want to maintain what they have in their mouth. And without that, patients will continue to have this disease and continue to lose teeth because of it. And this isn't convertible covered under Medicaid. And I wonder like, why is a cleaning covered? Why isn't this covered? Because it's basically a regular cleaning for patients who have periodontal disease. And it's so concerning even just Patients who I see who are on period maintenance, I want to see them every four months, every three months, or every even six months. Or if the insurance could just cover once a year, it'll just help the patient. Like, cost-wise, they have to pay this out of pocket. It's so frustrating when they we bring this up and then they we want to provide the best care we can but they can't afford it so patients don't come in because they can't afford it so it's super important to um i guess support these bills that we want to get passed um and support organizations such as the minnesota dental hygiene association the minnesota board of dentistry um, dental therapy And yeah, my main thing is spread the word.
0: People will hear. Thank you so much, Fonsuda, for taking the time to speak with us. We hope that providing a student perspective on oral health has helped our listeners better understand this issue. Before we close this episode, let's return to our quiz. Hey, Ganna, what's your answer to our quiz question? Well, Abby, it turns out that 60% of the more than 4,000 dental health professional shortage areas were located in non-metropolitan areas. I guess that goes to show how much of a divide there is in rural versus urban dental care access. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Perspectives. We would love to hear your thoughts and reactions to the episode. Please connect with us on Twitter or Facebook with the tag at Hub Health Review.